Welcome, this is Marek Kowalkiewicz and today I'm joined in the studio by Professor Michael Rosman. This week we talk about innovation and disruption. What is the difference between innovation, disruption and disruptive innovation? What strategies can you choose as someone who is at risk of being disrupted? And what strategies can you choose as someone who wants to disrupt others? As usual, we sum up with actions and potential jobs. Hi, welcome everyone. We are here at the Digital Week and I'm here with the PwC Chair of Digital Economy, Marek Kovakivich. Marek, how are you going? I'm very good. Michael, how are you? Excellent, excellent. Marek, that's the first time we create a podcast without our dearly loved Monica. That means the two of us actually finally get some stage time. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Finally, we can have a longer chat. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, Marek, how has your week been? Oh, it's, it's been great with, uh, with one exception. Uh, a few days ago, I had to fly to Sydney. Uh, and I, it was a private trip, and I decided uh, I was going to buy a cheaper, uh, a cheaper connection, a cheaper flight. What I realized when I was checking in is I had to pay uh, a fee for my luggage. I didn't realize that it was not included um, in the ticket. And you know, it made me wonder, why do I have to pay for my luggage? That's, you know, how, however, I'm not sure whether it was 20 or $50, but you know, that's, that's a bit that I could spend on a good coffee, uh, on a good lunch. I think there must be a way, I thought there, was, there must be a way for an airline to actually pay me for giving their, their my suitcase. They pay you? What would you have in mind? What could you imagine? Well, um, my suitcase could be an advertisement canvas. How about someone put an ad on my suitcase and then, you know, when my suitcase is delivered to the carousel, it starts rotating, people start looking at it. It's just like, you know, the cars that you drive past with ads on them. I could be doing the same thing with my, with my suitcase. Well, what a brilliant idea. And um, I, I think about how we talked about idle assets. So your suitcase as an underutilized asset and, and the opportunity to create some, some micro revenue. Is this a crazy idea or is anyone doing this already? So uh, that idea, actually, I read about it very recently uh, when, I, you know, when I had this question in my mind. I said, someone must be doing it already. So there is a company in Orlando in the US. They are paying you $50 and they are uh, giving you a sticker, a vinyl to put on your, on your suitcase the next time you travel. Wonderful. So this idea already exists and it's obviously a very innovative idea. Now, mm. now we are here today to talk about disruption. Mm. And let's quickly reflect on what's the difference between innovation and disruption. And often we talk about disruptive innovation and, and innovative disruptors. Uh, but it seems to me, based on your example, uh, that, not any, that not every innovation is necessarily disruption. Abs yeah, absolutely. Look, disruption has this negative connotation to it, right? But it's not always the case. I mean, there, there are disruptions to markets that are fully positive, that create new markets, that, that give opportunities for, for new entrants. It's not always a zero-sum game, so one uh, party wins, the other loses. Like with the, the advertisements on your suitcases, uh, everyone could be winning there. I could be winning there because I don't have to pay for my luggage. The, air, uh, the airline company would get a bit more revenue 
you, the airports still get their carousels to be used and the whole backend systems. It's a zero-sum game. Well, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not a zero-sum game. In this case, people get, uh, uh, you know, positive outcomes. Good, good point, Marek. So it seems like there's innovation, really they're kind of creating uh, new ideas that add value. And there's a subset of... of innovative ideas that have some sort of negative implications. And, mm -hmm. and when we see the, the main press and, and articles, we, we hear a lot of statements that uh, now industry is safe of disruption, now industry will not be disrupted. Yeah. We don't see many statements like there's not a single industry that cannot disrupt. So as you highlighted, there seem to be two facets to disruption. Absolutely. Uh, look, di disruption is not a spectator sport. You cannot really just sit there and watch everything being disrupted around you, right? So, so you have two choices there. And just like you're saying, you could be part of an industry that gets disrupted and somehow react to it. Or you can think as an industry, as a player in an industry, how can I disrupt other industries? So Very good. Works both ways. So, so Marek, maybe let's talk about those two facets to so be on the receiving end and to be maybe uh, the, the active driver of disruption. Mm. Um, and I'd like to discuss first the, 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 the receiving end. So that is the typical uh, mainstream conversation we observe today where organizations fear they will be disrupted. And, and what we learned in our uh, very own research here is if you cannot avoid that sooner or later some sort of business model innovation or a new emerging technology will disrupt you, well, at least you want to see it as soon as possible. Absolutely. You need to be able to sense the environment. You need to be able to see what is happening around you. Uh, it's, it's a bit like with uh, sportsmen. Uh, you want to know when is the best time to be disrupted as a sports person. So, you know, when you're at the peak of your career, that might be the time where you're okay being disrupted because you don't want to continue any longer because you'll, you'll start going down the hill. Exactly, exactly. So there uh, is a piece of work we've done here and we call this uh, revenue resilience. So in order to, to help organizations to, to spot this as early as possible, the idea of this revenue resilience toolkit is that we literally go through your main streams of incoming revenue, let's say any kind of revenue where you make at least 10% or, or more of your revenue, um, and we assess for each of these revenue streams to what extent is this stream of revenue in danger. And we do this in three facets. Uh, the first question is, uh, are there any new emerging competitors? For example, could it be that your customer think Airbnb or Uber, that your customer could become your competitor. Second question is, um, are there any new products that could disrupt your business? Think uh, video conferencing and airlines. Great video conferencing probably will mean less business travel. Um, and uh, the third are that entire um, new markets are emerging. And the question is, do I have entire new um, um, phases where markets emerge that totally will disrupt me and make my entire product non-relevant. Mm. So the idea of a revenue resilience assessment is more or less like a risk assessment of revenue streams. Mm. And if the answer for any of these revenue streams is, yes, your revenue is in danger, then you better get your act together. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, so being able to continuously watch these three assets is, is absolutely critical. Otherwise, one, one day you might wake up and realize you're already out of business. It's uh, probably not a, good, uh, not a good situation to be in. Exactly, exactly. So this is where you, where you spot um, emerging frictions, problems, new trends, where you need a very strong environmental sensing capability. So you have to really understand, you need uh, 
spot trends, you have to understand what are those sort of mega trends in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say an example is the sharing economy. Um, could you imagine a world where, where people share their views on their smartphones? And if so, would I rather follow what my friends can see than, than mainstream television channels? Mm. So that, that's one example where you can see the megatrend, sharing economy, translated into there might be streams of revenue, television industry, possibly in danger. Mm. So, so this is where a, a very important question arises, um, and to use the language of, of startups, this is probably the time when you want to pivot your uh, your business models a bit, try to see which directions you might be going. The challenge, a potential challenge, uh, and also opportunity at the same time for organizations is that often new possibly disruptive markets, possibly disruptive ideas, business models are not very exciting for you as a large organization. Let's say your uh, your annual revenue is $10 billion. Mm. How do you get excited about a market that can generate $5 million a year? So do you, you think we, we have to be excited about $5 million? Uh, absolutely. That's Why is absolutely that? crucial. Take example uh, of Kodak. Uh, they totally ignored the market of digital cameras, right? This is a you know a, a, an example that everyone talks about, but that's a beautiful one here. Kodak was the company that created the first digital camera. They just thought it wasn't exciting. Uh, the quality was low. There were not too many people interested in those products. The market was super small. There were probably a hundred people in the world who would buy the first digital mm. cameras. So it was a small market. The thing with small markets is they tend to grow. Uh, so the later you get excited about a small market, the smaller chunk you will get. So, so what you say is invest in kind of a lot of small fish because some of them probably become a big fish. Um, and so this, this points us to, you also have to be able to afford that sort of investment. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why we often also highlight, once you believe that certain piece of revenue are in danger, then make sure that, that once there's this positive spirit in your organization, you still keep on growing. You financially can afford it, you have a positive culture. Uh, to capitalize on the ability um, to invest, invest in, as you highlighted, in a lot of small fish, mm. driven, receiving in by, by the results of a revenue resilience it's toolkit. It's absolutely critical. When we talk about organizations, the innovation culture, the organizational culture, the moment you start to uh, let people go, the moment you have to start to think about redundancies and, and, and shrinking your business, this is probably the worst time when you uh, when you can innovate with your people. So you need to do it early on. Very good point. Um, now, we talked a lot about being on the receiving side. Let's move to the other side. It means maybe my revenue is not in danger. Um, it's not that I innovate because I have to. Maybe now I innovate because I can. Uh, Marek, what's your view on industries and corporations where they, they talk about being the disruptor as opposed to being disrupted? Uh, look, so... It's fairly straightforward for organizations to say, we want to build an innovation pipeline. We want to create processes that support innovation. We want to, uh, we want to take ideas through the pipeline. But the really critical, really important uh, point here is 
feeding or seeding that pipeline? How do you generate hundreds, if not thousands of ideas that you push through the pipeline so you can have the best processes? But you know, the innovation 101, how do you start with creative ideas? How do you challenge the paradigms, the assumptions that you have in your organization? You have to be ruthless about it. Everything you see in your organization, you have to start questioning. How do you do it? Uh, you could bring others, open innovation, student design jam. That's absolutely critical to start feeling and seeding that pipeline of innovation. That's an interesting point. So you talk about an infrastructure that allows you to, to generate a high number of ideas. It's like a Hollywood script. If I get 10,000 scripts, there's a high likelihood that one of them will be Hollywood blockbuster. Now, there's a quantitative dimension to ideation, uh, but probably also a quality dimension and the idea of catalyzing ideas. Um, so yes, you can hope that some of those ideas are great, but you also can fast track this by capitalizing on single ways of thinking. Mm. Let me give you some examples. And we do this here as part of, of the chair uh, in digital economy. Um, for example, uh, data as a service. Now, a lot of organizations look at big data and, and hire data scientists or data analysts and try to unpack this. But um, a few weeks ago, we talked about the data economist. And probably I could generate enter new revenue streams by, by trading data. So the idea is you sensitize companies and the catalyzing idea is, could you imagine data as a service? So... Item number one is generate a lot of ideas. Item number two is try to explore if they're catalyzing ideas that immediately allow you to think differently. Absolutely. One additional way of catalyzing your ideas is also looking outside your industry and asking very structured questions such as how would another industry play in my area? Have a look at an, exa an example of an organization that you value highly and ask yourself a question. How would that organization play in my business? What would be their business models? And, and really try to follow very specific examples. That helps you put a bit of structure about, uh, around innovation that, you know, in principle shouldn't be too structured. But if it's a complete chaos, then you're not getting anywhere. Very good. So that gives us already three uh, ways of thinking here. The first one is having a pool of a lot of ideas. We talk about open innovation, crowdsourcing, student design jam. The second item was have, uh, by default, um, innovative ideas, catalyzing ideas. Examples were data as a service. You could imagine digital identity as a service or digital communities. Um, and the third one, um, what you just described, um, was then also around the opportunity to find um, additional uh, ways of generating ideas by looking out of the window and copying what we see in other industries. Now, whatever you do, whether you have to innovate or you can innovate, at the end of the day, you need this innovation factory. It doesn't help you to be threatened or to have this amazing idea if you can't execute. So, so Marek, let's talk briefly and at the very end now about um, the, the ability to innovate the innovation process. Absolutely. So, uh, so already, like I mentioned um, a few minutes before, you need to build this capability of getting excited with small ideas and executing around them. I, I believe this is one of the bigger challenges of large players. It's not so much a challenge for small and medium enterprises, but if you're in an, an established player in a big market, ability of getting excited with small ideas, that's, that's something which is very hard to achieve, but it's at the same time extremely, extremely crucial. 
you need to be ruthless about uh, building a factory of ideas. So how do you build this, a system where you treat ideas almost as resources that are an input in your factory and then you process them, process them, generate minimum viable products, generate business models that can be discussed. You question them, you, you rigorously test them. Uh, having that process extremely important. Very good point. So, Marek, let's wrap this up. Let's summarize quickly the actions and also the related jobs. Mm. Um, so the first item we talked about, we react to disruption. We suggested revenue resilience assessments. And I'm of the very strong belief that revenue analysts are an entire new breed of people. Maybe more under the umbrella of a CFO, mm -hmm. but these will be individuals who will go through current and future revenue streams. And in light of what they see coming up, technologically-wise or business model-wise, uh, try to assess what's the likelihood and the impact that these kind of uh, external threats uh, will put my current or future revenue in danger. So idea number one is conduct revenue resilience assessments and consider hiring revenue analysts. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I think that every organization should have a person attending every single meeting that happens in the organization, looking at every single process and asking a lot of whys. Why are you doing it this way? Why are you not doing it another way? So let's call that person a corporate disruptor. A corporate disruptor is someone who's a pain in the back during every meeting, during every process, just by questioning. That's extremely important because without questioning, there's no progress. Well, for this, you need a lot of persistence and stamina, but it sounds like an exciting role. Mm -hmm. um, and the third one is probably what we could call like a, like a stand-up ideator. Not a stand-up comedian, but a stand-up ideator. Someone who has got a lot of catalyzing ideas. So if the ideas are bad, you get to pelt them with tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> that could be one, but, but your corporate disruptors may be the one who makes me uncomfortable. Mm. The stand-up ideator is the one who inspires me all the time. That's the individual that has a lot of catalyzing ideas, puts them on the table so you can trigger a next positive conversation. Excellent. So like a machine gun for ideas. So that, that showed you, and again, in the spirit of the PwC chair, digital economy, that disruption by now means it's just something negative. There could be, we talked about corporate disruptor or stand-up ideator, actually a lot of fun. But that means you want to be in the active driving seat of disruption. It's a very exciting future. Uh, yes, there might be some challenges, but it's all about turning those challenges into opportunities. Wonderful. So, Marek, um, our next podcast will be dedicated to, to one very specific example where we see what disruption truly means for a stand-up organization, uh, startup organization. And then next week, we have our lovely Monica back on board, the 3Ms, and we are looking very forward to talking to all of you. Until then, Marek, have a fascinating weekend. And you too. Thank you very much. Thanks, Marek.